I've been walking around here, visualing Jesus, visualizing Jesus, and what I get is him smiling ear to ear. And what he wants to tell us is, the spirit in here is him. And the fact that we just took some of our prime time to focus on his spirit and to try to get closer to it just thrills him because that's what we're about. We are a people of the kingdom of heaven and that means that we are also a people of the Holy Spirit. Our Western worldview teaches us that that realm is not real, but that is a lie of the enemy. The spiritual realm is very real and the spirits in that realm have influence on us. We unwittingly get to choose which spirits guide us and the one that we need to follow consciously is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. Good morning again. We are uh, going into the third message in this series that we've labeled or titled Fake Truth. And the, the whole purpose of this series really is to look at beliefs that are prevalent in our culture that, you know, find their way onto social media and a variety of other places. Uh, but because of that, I guess because they're repeated so many times or uh, because of where they come from, we kind of have come to, to believe them as truth. But they're really not. They're fake truth. And we want to look at those the series of seven fake truths from a Christian perspective and really sort of see what, what the Bible and what Christian faith has to say about these particular truths, so to speak. So this week, um, if I will turn this on, we are looking at uh, the third in this series and uh, we're looking at this concept of you only live once or if you haven't been able to figure this out, YOLO is what the acronym is for You Only Live Once. Uh, we'll auction off the pool float um, after the service. <laughs> um, so you only live once. I guess in a more extreme version of that, you might hear from time to time, is when you would hear someone say, hey, hold my beer and watch this. This little nugget of fake truth has been around uh, for a really, really long time. It probably got its, uh, in its most recent incarnation, it sort of came, gained favor in the movie Dead Poet Society. That was back in 1989. If you remember in that movie, Robin Williams plays this very eccentric but inspiring English literature teacher. And he famously tells his students at this exclusive uh, boarding school, Seize the day, boys. Make your life extraordinary. And his, uh, his sentiments or his thoughts there were inspired by the, the poetry of both Walt Whitman and a man named Robert Herrick. Uh, and sort of the beauty of nature itself. But uh, that central idea or theme of seize the day uh, or YOLO, you only live once, comes from uh, one of Herrick's poems called To the Virgins to Make Much of Time. And this was published in 1648. And part of that poem reads, 
Gather ye rosebuds while ye may. Old time is still a-flying. And this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow, will be dying. Right? In other words, life is short. It'll soon be over. Pick that flower while it's blooming. It's going to be too late when it's dead. Make the most of your time. Enjoy it while you have it. But would you believe that this idea of seizing the day was not original to Herrick? Would you believe it's in the Bible? Ooh. Let's go to Ecclesiastes. Oh, excuse me. Let me read this first. Back up. There we go. I'm going to read this from Ecclesiastes. This is verses uh, 14 and 15 from chapter 8, which says this. There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. So I commend the enjoyment of life because there is nothing better for a person to do under the sun than to eat and drink and be glad. Then joy will accompany them in their toil all the days of the life God has given them under the sun. So I think in this instance, the, this consideration of futility is important, right? What the psalmist or what Solomon, if, if that is who wrote this, is saying is, doing good hardly seems to get rewarded. Doing bad hardly seems to matter. So why not just do what you want with the time you've got? Simply do what you feel, right? And then in another place in Scripture, Isaiah is scolding the nation of Israel. And as he is scolding them, um, he says this to them. But see, there is joy and revel revelry, slaughtering of cattle and killing of sheep, eating of meat and drinking of wine. Let us eat and drink, you say, for tomorrow we die. Now this is why context is always so important with Scripture, right? Because you would look at that, if you didn't understand the setting and who was speaking and in what terms, you might look at that phrase and go, hey, look, YOLO, it's in the Bible. Good to go. Well, that's not the case. See, and one of the great things I think about the wisdom books of the Bible is that they very accurately depict how our minds work, right? We may not live YOLO sort of as a normal course of life, but from time to time, don't we justify little rebellions here and there or excuse this or that disobedience? The other great thing about the wisdom books of the Bible is that they show us how stupid it is to think that way because it really isn't thinking at all. This logic of eat and drink, tomorrow you may die, doesn't really take in all the facts, does it? It's operating at the level of the appetite only. Wisdom, true wisdom, weighs all of the facts, not just the convenient ones. And the only thing more stupid than not thinking beyond death is not thinking about death at all. So... You only live once is fake truth because it presents an incomplete perspective on life and death. And, and that's so often the case, I think, with all of these various fake truths. And that's why it's so important to get the entire picture, to think the, the thing all the way through and understand what it's really saying. And in this case, 
what does the Bible say is the complete and truthful perspective about life after death? And I think it really just says these two things. First of all, God will judge how you choose to seize the day. And secondly, Jesus has enabled all of us to seize eternity. So let's dive into those in a little bit more detail. First of all, God will judge how you seize the day. And see, what people who live by this you only live once motto fail to realize is that ultimately everybody is judged for how they live their life, right? Ecclesiastes 11.9 says this, You who are young, be happy while you are young, and let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Ooh, okay. There's a little dose of reality. See, one of the most effective lies of our enemy, Satan, is to get people to think that this life is all there is. And while he's at it, he's also going to do whatever he can to get you to not think about death. See, death makes people fearful. And even though the devil likes to traffic in fear, there's also the problem that when that, that fear fearful people are more likely to cry out for help and therefore open themselves up to some sort of a, a divine rescue, right? So instead of approaching it from this fear standpoint, he just gets us to think and act like we're going to live forever. Now, feelings of immortality come pretty naturally to teenagers, right? Ten feet tall and bulletproof. But marketers have figured out that that feeling needs to be cultivated a little bit more in people as they grow older. And so just think about this. Consider how much time and money people spend trying to stay young or at least in maintaining the appearance of youth. All right, here's some figures. And these are about 10 years old, so I would imagine it's substantially worse <laughs> at this point. But even... At 10-year-old numbers, this is pretty amazing. Annually, over $1.2 billion is spent on liposuction. $800 million on hair transplants. Mine's real. And $11 billion on vitamins and supplements. Now, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And think about this. Isn't... In light of all that, isn't it hard to believe that our founding fathers powdered their wigs gray so that they might appear older and wiser? <laughs> Dynamic has changed a, a, a bit. So this lie that you only live once and it might as well be forever is the first lie that he tries. But this lie doesn't work on everybody, right? There are some people that even though they may think that, they still acknowledge that, they have, that there's mortality there, that they may ultimately die. And that's when lie number two comes into the picture. And lie number two says, okay, well, yeah, you're going to die, and yeah, it could be tomorrow. So get as much pleasure as you can. Do whatever you want, even if you've been explicitly told not to do it. 
You only live once and life's way too short to play by the rules. So if you won't deny that you'll live forever, then the next best thing is to get you so focused on the here and now that death just seems like a buzzkill on this great big party that you're in, in, involved in. But the one thing that Satan does not, absolutely does not want you to consider is what comes after death. He wants you to stop reading that verse in Ecclesiastes before you get to the part that says, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. See, it's easy to listen to me and think that YOLO, you only live once, is the motto only to teenagers and adult thrill seekers, but it's not. It's the motto for every man or woman whose investment in the future is limited to their retirement plan. It's the motto for every mother or father whose chief concern is for their children and that they're healthy and that they go to a good school and that they find a respectable spouse. It's the motto for every person who spends their day overwhelmingly anxious about the troubles of this day as if this is all there is. And it's the motto for every person who never gives a single thought to what comes after they draw their last breath. Truth of the matter is, we're all going to die. And after you die, you're going to find yourself kneeling before a holy God who rises to judge what's become of your life. In Matthew 10, 28, Jesus says this, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What Jesus is saying is that death isn't the worst thing that can happen to you. Dying after you die is infinitely worse. So the question I encourage everyone listening to ask themselves is this. Have you wasted your one earthly life focusing only on yourself and giving no thought to this moment of judgment that awaits you. But the good news is your life doesn't have to play out like that. The good news, which provides the most complete perspective on life and death, is that Jesus has enabled you to seize eternity. John chapter 3 tells the story of a religious expert who comes to visit Jesus uh, because he believed, it, based on what he was seeing and hearing, that Jesus had come from God. And the man's name was Nicodemus. And so Nicodemus visits Jesus at night so that he's not seen because the religious leaders and authorities weren't real pleased with what Jesus was doing and saying. So Nicodemus goes to him at night and he makes a statement akin to that, that, you know, you must, you must have been sent by God. And after he makes that statement, Jesus gives him a really weird reply. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now Nicodemus is a religious expert, and he has no idea what Jesus means by this. Well, Jesus, of course, is referring to the second birth, this new birth in him, or, if you wanted to put it a different way, living twice. 
And that happens when we repent of our sin and believe in the good news of Jesus. And this new birth requires a death of our old selves and all of its old ways of seeking fulfillment and enlightenment anywhere but in Jesus. And this new birth requires that we die to ourselves and thereby find life in him. So really what it comes down to is a choice between two options. Oh, there's that, sorry. The first one is you can live once and die twice. Now this is the YOLO alternative to life, right? It means that you live until your physical years are no more and then you die. But you don't just die once. You die twice. One death is physical. The second death is spiritual. But then there's an alternative to that. You can live twice and die once. This is the biblical alternative. And it means that you have physical life. But fo by following Jesus you are born again into a second life, an eternal spiritual life. And then when your death comes, it's only at a physical level. Your spirit gets to live in eternity with Jesus. And so to reject Jesus is to reject real life, as he himself is life. He refers to himself as the way, the truth, and the life. To choose to do life without Jesus is to choose a death that's actually worse than death. It's to choose the second death, the spiritual death that comes after the physical death. And the spiritual death is far worse. But to choose Jesus this side of death is to have him forever. You may die physically, but those who live in Jesus live forever. They have eternal life. Ergo, live once, die twice. Live twice, die once. It's maybe not as catchy as YOLO, but it's the truth. Now, we're not alone in struggling with these kinds of concepts. Jesus' followers struggled with these concepts, right? All along, throughout Christ's ministry, his friends and followers and, and those around him, at various moments, kind of expected that Jesus is just going to start violently overthrowing uh, the, his, the Roman oppressors at that time and start setting up shop in Jerusalem as the new king. This even is, sort of seems like this is part of the devil's approach to him when he tempts him in the wilderness. So along the way, Jesus is constantly rebuking the, the this world focus of his disciples. Now, sometimes he does it gently. Sometimes he does it a little more harshly. But he always does it lovingly. Because unlike Satan, he actually loves these people. He wants what is best for them. In Mark 8, 36, he said to them, For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? Well, the enemy wants us to answer everything. That's the benefit. We get everything. But Jesus wants what's best for you. He knows 
that living like you only live once is to ensure that you will die after you die. You must be born again, because if you live once, you will die twice. But if you live twice, you will die once. And then everlasting glory. And if you really stop and think about it, the fruit of the now looks pretty pathetic in the light of eternity. Living twice is the only way to live forever. The devil wants us to believe that we won't die. Barring that, he wants us to believe that only this life counts because that's all there is. But he's a liar. He wants us to waste this life because he really wants us to waste the life that comes after. And see, after we die, it's going to be too late to change our minds. It's going to be too late to get our act together. That's why Solomon told those who are young to remember their creator now in the days of their life. There's no moment to delay. Heaven is too great, hell is too horrible, and eternity is too long. And so as an alternative to carpe diem, seize the day, I offer you carpe eternitatum, seize eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, which informs us and enlightens us as to the truth of this life and the life to come. We are encouraged that in this time to not live as if this were the only life that there was, but to live in such a way that we bring you into it now, that we accept you as our Lord. And so if there is anybody who has heard this message and feels the need to accept you as their Lord and Savior, then we just pray that they would choose to do that now. That simply asking you into their heart and their life, repenting of their sin and accepting you as Lord, is all they need to do. The rest can be dealt with uh, in the days ahead. But to secure eternal life, that decision is all that's needed in, in the here and now. And so, Father, now we will celebrate uh, the sacrament that you gave us that reminds us of what was done so that we might be able to claim eternity and heaven as our home. And so, and if you have, if you are, are new with our church or new to the service, there should be in chairs somewhere in front of you a little container that has uh, a wafer on the top and juice underneath. And if you could just peel those back. And well then we, I'm going to bless the elements and then we'll, we will all take communion together. So that we remember that on the night that Jesus was to be betrayed, he took bread
And he asked his father in heaven to bless it, and then he broke it. He gave it to his disciples. And he said, take this and eat, all of you. This is my body, given for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And then later on in the meal, he took the cup, and again, he asked his father to bless it. And this too, he shared with his disciples. And he said, take this, all of you, and drink. For this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, blood that was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. So whenever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me. So Father, we now ask that you would come, that you would bless these simple gifts of bread and juice and that you would then make them to be for us your body and blood. We ask your blessing upon it now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The body of Jesus given for you. And the blood of Jesus shed for you. Lord, I thank you for this time that we've shared today. I thank you for your spirit that was at work here today. Touching people, touching lives, healing aches and pains and disease. Now I ask that you would bless all of these people as they go from this place out into their world, the world at large, and the week that's ahead of them. Father, I pray that they would each day pray for you to show them the one person that they need to talk to, that they, that they need to touch with the Holy Spirit's love and power. It may be nothing more than helping someone carry something, buying food in a grocery store for someone who forgot their wallet, speaking kindness to someone who very much needs it in that moment, or having the opportunity to tell another person about Jesus. Lord, it could look like any one of those things and many, many others. But Father, let us all pray that we would encounter and know when we encounter that one, that one person each day. That's all we want to focus on is who do you have for us to talk to today? And then just go out and be yourself. So we thank you for that, Lord. Bless each person now. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week. And we hope to see you next week.